Hello and welcome to Flatris. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing A Night Like This by Julia Quinn. So this was published in 2012 and is the second book in the Smite Smith Quartet. The Jacket. Anne Winter might not be who she says she is, but she's managing quite well as a governess to three highborn young ladies. Her job can be a challenge. In a single week, she finds herself hiding in a closet full of tubas, playing an evil queen in a play that might be a tragedy or might be a comedy, no one is sure, and tending to the wounds of an oh-so-dashing Earl of Winstead. After years of dodging unwanted advances, he's the first man who has truly tempted her, and it's getting harder and harder to remind herself that a governess has no business flirting with a nobleman. Daniel Smythe-Smith might be in mortal danger, but that's not going to stop the young Earl from falling in love. And when he spies a mysterious woman at his family's annual musicale, he vows to pursue her, even if that means spending his days with a 10-year-old who thinks she's a unicorn. But Daniel has an enemy, one who has vowed to see him dead. And when Anne is thrown into peril, he will stop at nothing to ensure their happy ending. Not a bad jacket. It's not a bad jacket at all. Actually, this is a this is a good jacket. <laughs> it really it gets at the high point. It gets at the spirit between mentioning the mu- musical and the play and the unicorn obsession. And alluding you, to you her know that story. she's you know she's got um, a hidden identity. But the jacket doesn't give away the twist ending. Yeah, overall, like, very well-executed jacket. uh, I have no problems with the jacket, none at all. You just have a problem with the plot the jacket is describing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I have a problem with the execution (laughs) of the jacket. (laughs) All right. So, as usual, we wrote our own summaries. And this week, the randomly generated number was 27. Take it away, Meg. Uh, here, here it is. It's so romantic when a man pursues you at your workplace, emphasizes his relative power over you, and then saves you from disgrace by proposing to you. So I got the impression you didn't really like this book. Yeah, I, I hope you understand that everything I said in that sentence, um, it, it was sarcastic. It's actually not romantic. <laughs> yeah. It's actually not romantic when someone comes to your workplace and like keeps coming there, even when you're trying to do your job. <sighs> anyway. So my summary. Daniel is sure that the Earl hell bent on his death for the last three years is behind recent attacks, but Anne has secret enemies she doesn't disclose. So you you went for more of a, you know, summary. I went for a summary that described sort of the element that the book jacket doesn't get at. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So Lane, ladies and gentlemen, Lane is giving away the twist. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> I mean, it's not. If you read Barely. the book, if you read the book, it's not much of a twist. If you read the first chapter, it's not much of a twist. I'm just saying she has enemies. <laughs> not who they are or why. All right. Okay, so there's there are tropes here. I mean, it's a Julia Quinn, so you got a big, crazy family. I don't think either of us even bothered to write that. 
Oh no, but it's, it's just like a given. And it's, it is, look, I give credit where credit is due. It is the best part of this book. It is, but it's the least significant part of this book too. Yes. Also, which perhaps is why I didn't appreciate this book so much. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe that's your issue. Yeah. So as the book jacket says, Daniel Spicer at the piano realizes he's not related to her and that immediately sparks just an unquenchable lust. Okay, so basically Anne Winter is like the most beautiful woman of all time. Everyone falls in love with her when they see her. (sighs) And of course, while Daniel is just another fool struck by her beauty, he's sincerely in love with her at first sight. Immediately. There is a crime later in the book, and a child is the only witness. It's like witness. But I feel like that happens a lot, where like there's some nefarious plot, and you have to make a kid more involved than you want to because they were the only one who actually saw it happen. Yeah. But I mean, I, you know what? I know that I've actually mentioned this on the podcast before, but like Witness is a hot movie. You have mentioned it, I think, in two previous episodes. (laughs) I still haven't watched it. Oh, every time it comes up, every time like something comes up, it makes me think about it. Anyway, uh, she's, she's ruined guys. She was ruined. And because she's ruined, she is forced to flee England to the Isle of Man. As you yeah. learned in the first book, Daniel was first to flee England, forced to flee England following a duel. And at the end of the book, the resolution is forcing someone to flee England. So I don't know that I necessarily thought of forcing someone to flee England as a trope before, but given that it happens three times in this one book, I'm counting it. Yeah, no, you got to count it. All right, we talked about it. Anne has a fake identity, so she is living under an assumed name. And like many of the heroines, especially with assumed names or assumed identities, she is of noble-ish birth, but is now in service. But not like a true servant, like governess, tutor. You got to be that like mid-tier, not really a servant. Yes, she's a governess. And there is the grand declaration of marriage uh, to the family. You know, basically like, I am... Mm-hmm. before she's agreed like people are asking him why do you care about her and he says because i'm going to marry her i'm gonna marry her like nine times that happens all the time it's like um now i'm thinking of that other movie while you were sleeping which i also haven't seen oh well you know in that one she says it's the man i'm gonna marry even though they've never talked in front of the family and everyone's like oh you're the fiance <laughs> this is less disturbing than that slightly slightly they've met before they met before she has not agreed to this book disturbs me because of the amount of power he has over her so 100% and the last trip I would like to identify is he saves her after an accident with his last bit of strength before collapsing himself I do love it (laughs) I have nothing bad to say about that one no no that's a good one good trope good trope so I actually really like the Smith Smith series. Like I like this little quartet. This is my least favorite of the four, as I'm I'm sure you gathered. I they've I been think too G rated for me so far. They've been pretty G rated, and then also this book is like this book is the most traditionally angsty. 
Yeah. And I, I, after reading all the Julia Quinn's that we have recently, I, I think that I'm realizing that the ones that I dislike the most are the, the angsty ones. I just think she doesn't write angst very well. No, and she does resort, and we're kind of jumping all around here with offensiveness and sexiness, to ruination and rape as the worst thing that can happen to a woman. Mm-hmm. And that's really the trauma all through the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, she's really at her best when she writes the lighthearted, um, crazy family stuff. And that that's not missing from this book. And that part is, like, the best part. Like, I, I actually really enjoy the parts. In this book, as you heard about in the jacket, Anne is the governess to one of Daniel's aunts. So she is taking care of the three younger daughters in this family. And there are three very quirky, very funny little girls. Um, they each have, and here's the thing, like each of these little girls has their own personality. You can tell them apart. They have these great family dynamics. Like this is what Julia Quinn does and does well. Like they, anyway, it, it was just really great. So everything that involved the the little girls was really fun. And it was a very cute, as Lane says, G-rated courtship. Basically one of the little girls sees herself as a playwright, like England's newest, greatest playwright. Um, and she writes these wacky um, uh, plays, which uh, they do play a part in um, one of the Bridgerton books, in Hyacinth's book. They go, they, I don't think they actually go to it, but they talked about it afterwards. And they were like, one of them oh, was a yeah. unicorn, remember? So I think this, you know, that th- this is the, she, she, she drew from that and she said, Oh, this, this is the family that has the, the theatrical girl. And so what they do is they actually act out one of the plays and it's really funny. It's really enjoyable. It's really cute. I, I loved it. I actually I did didn't it. like that uh, part. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was, it's very silly, but I enjoyed it. It was silly, but it was one of those things I felt like I was hearing a funny story that I didn't have the context for. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when somebody tells you, oh, it was hysterical and then ends it with, you have to be there. there." Like, that's what I felt reading this play. It was like, okay, I get why this is supposed to be funny, but like, there's not enough here to actually make it funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, there wasn't enough about the play. It was really just like, and then the frog jumped out of the lake. (laughs) Right. I thought all that was really weird. It didn't bug me. I liked it. Um, So that's the stuff I liked. So we are, uh, what, less than 10 minutes into the episode, and from here on out, Meg's just going to go in. I know, but I feel so, I feel feel bad about it, but also, this is something that that you talked about, Lane, because you've said that the books that disappoint us the most are the ones that we see potential in. And the thing is, I see a lot of potential in this book. Like I can, I can see where it would have been a book I would have loved, and I think sure. that's what gets me. So, and where it misses the mark, it does fall down some paths that are particularly irksome. Like you said, power dynamics and sex as a way to control women, and all that squicky. 
so so like we said like the book jacket says like we says in our, said in our tropes uh he falls in love with her at first sight from across the room he's never seen her before he gets back from italy he sees the most beautiful woman in the world he's in love okay fine like that i can accept that but once he falls in love with her he decides that he's going to pursue her with like his whole heart and his whole all of the power that he has he's going to use to pursue her mm-hmm. and because she is the employee of his aunt he has a lot of power over her so what he does is he goes to his aunt's house and basically finds out where she is where she's going to be uh going he invites himself along on the walks with her um gets his aunt to go to his estate so he separates her from london from where she you know was living he takes her somewhere where he is then even more in power than he was in london uh when they get there and i here's the thing julia quinn recognizes this she knows that this is an issue and you know that she knows because she addresses it in the text mm-hmm. he's he's basically separates her from the family. He's like, I'll show you to your room. And she is, Anne is literally thinking in that moment, well, I can't say no because he is like Lord and master here, literally. Um, Well, and she thinks often her internal monologue is about situations she's been in that are worse than this one, having to have left previous employment because the man of the house was aggressive toward her. And so she's thinking, like, I can't afford to lose this position. And your special attention toward me is jeopardizing my future. Mm -hmm. And you will not acknowledge that. And he never really admits that or apologizes for it. He literally acts like the fact that his intentions with her are honorable negates all of her concerns. Yeah. And and like I said, um, she so this is her internal monologue. He's like taking her to her room and then um, they're like in the hall and she basically is like, look, I'd, I'd really prefer it if you would call a servant and to show me to the right. room. And he's like, well, you have no choice. And she's like, uh, no, like, like you're correct, but also this is predatory behavior. And then he recognizes it. He realizes, oh, wait a minute, this could be construed a different way. I'm actually a nice guy. How could she think that I'm predatory? And he he does say, I would have said that to anyone. You know, I didn't say that just because of this. I I will call a servant. And then she goes, no, 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 it's okay. Let's kiss. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that was, it was a weird courtship. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Yeah. And then, okay, so I didn't like that. And then he also, as we've been saying, he uses his family to get close to her. So basically, not only is he being a total jerk to her by, like, using these power dynamics to get close to her, he's also being a jerk to his family. Like, he's been living abroad for years because he couldn't come back to England. Three years. And... He gets back, and the first thing he does is decide to blackmail a governess. And so to blackmail the governess, he convinces his family that he really, really wants to see them. But actually, he doesn't 
care about his family. He just cares about getting close to Anne. So yeah. the whole thing just basically made me not like Daniel very much. So um, I'm going to take an interlude in your complaining and talk about something I liked a lot. Tell me. As I mentioned in my summary, Daniel was um, forced to leave England because he was in a stupid duel. And in that stupid duel, he was intending to shoot to miss, but shoot to strike. And his opponent, who was a good friend of his, ended up maimed from it. And the way the friend has gotten his father to agree to stop hunting Daniel abroad is very interesting. And this friend, whose name is Hugh, is a very interesting character. And their conversations throughout this whole book, working together against the various threats facing Daniel and Anne are A plus, like strongly like you. And Meg has let me know he's the hero of a future book. So I'm already very excited for that. And I feel like this one was worth reading if only to get this like insight into Hugh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this, this is fair. Hugh is definitely a highlight of the book. I agree. He's great. And she does a good job too of not telegraphing too much that he's going to be like the next hero. No, like, I mean, he's definitely getting more attention than I expect from a character who won't appear again but I from this book wouldn't have known if he was going to be a future hero or if he was going to be a B plot that carried through the rest of the series yeah exactly um so you know the thing is too that that there 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 were easy fixes to all of the things that I didn't like Mm -hmm. um so basically instead of him going over to his cousin's house because he knows that there's this hot governess he actually cares about his family and goes to see them and right. then he meets the governess and he's like, wow, it's fate. I saw her from across the room, but now it turns out that she is governess in my, in my aunt's house. So this is amazing. Um, he definitely wouldn't arrange things so that she gets trapped at his estate unless <laughs> she's in on it. Unless she's like, oh, I know how we could get some alone time. Maybe you should invite the family to your estate. I would have been 100% on the train for that one. Sure. Oh, you mean consent is important? What a shock. What a shock. I know, right? So, and then uh, the denouement, I probably would have changed. Um, But the, yeah, yeah. but the, like the Daniel stuff were pretty easy fixes in my opinion. And so that's what's so frustrating too, is like, I can see the really good book that this could have been. Yeah, he, he definitely could have been a little bit less of a stalker. Yeah, he was real stalkery. I think we're into offensiveness at this point, right? I think we have been for a while. <laughs> so, yeah, he's... But And then the other issue, too, is that she's just, like, so hot. She's hot. She's the hottest person ever. And it's, like, implied that that's the reason why she has these stalkers. I don't know that well, I picked up on that. But sure. But, and when I say, like, stalkers, I mean the love interest, Daniel, and the villain. So yeah. one is an actual and stalker. And the former employers. And, mm-hmm. Well, yes, and the former employers. And then it, they also, like, the his aunt, Lady Plinsworth, is like, oh, and I was, people told me not to hire such a beautiful governess. And I was just like, gag me. Oh, it's such a cliche. It's not even a trope. It's just a gross cliche at this point. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay. What else happened? Trigger- Trigger warning, violence against women, sexual violence against women, ruination and abandonment by family. The whole premise of this is that 
giving up your virtue is the worst thing that can happen to a woman and then trying to subvert it, but kind of badly. That's my issue. And the villain's wife shows up in a scene and it's completely superfluous. So weird, yeah. I didn't get what I was supposed to be taking from any of those interactions. So so basically the whole the the villain of the book is is extremely offensive to us. And Daniel's actions are offensive to me at least. <laughs> yeah, I, I look, was he over interested? Yes. Did he use his power over her to get the two of them into situations alone while she was visibly and verbally objecting? Yes. Do I think she kind of portrayed some inconsistent character traits? Yes. In the sense that like she'd call him out for lording power over her and then she'd respond with, so make out with me right now. I didn't really know what was going on there, so I don't think I was offended by all that as I should have been because mm. I was just so confused. Yeah. Well, that brings us to sexiness because yes. I'm also confused. Like, I, I still don't understand why they made out for the first time. Okay, first of all, I don't know why they made out for the first time. Second of all, they have this scene in her bedroom where... They're, like, very hot and heavy, and then she breaks it off. Yeah. And then they don't talk for a week. It was all very weird. Like, I didn't really get where anyone was coming from. And yeah. so this wasn't a situation where, like, something wasn't sexy because I hated the characters together so much. This was, like, this was not as sexy as it could have been because I was just so confused. Yeah. And then they do, when they do finally consummate their love. She thinks she's a born-again virgin, and I fucking can't. Me too. I hated it so much. She's like, this is my first time. And I'm like, okay, number one, it's not your first time. But number two, why does it matter that you feel like this is your first time? You also, know? I really struggle with that portrayal to begin with. But to be clear, her first sexual experience was not rape. So Correct. this isn't a woman who had choice taken away from her reclaiming something which we all know I still probably wouldn't like this book in that case because I don't do rape stuff but this is very much a woman who like regrets a previous choice so if she thinks she can go and make herself a virgin for this guy I don't know it was just every that line bothered me so much it like probably not the whole star off this book for me I knew it I like wrote it in my notes and I was like this is for Lane <laughs> <laughs> but so unfortunately, it, it also just wasn't super sexy either. And I will say if it was like, if the reason she she couldn't stay away from him is because she also found him like irresistibly attractive, I probably would have liked this book more too. Yeah, you, you don't get enough of her interest in him because so much of her POV is fear. Mm-hmm. So mixed feelings about that. Um, but yeah, there's this is more explicit than the first book in the series which is not saying much. That is probably the least explicit romance novel I've ever read. <laughs> but it still wasn't that sexy. No, un unfortunately it wasn't. Um, I, I am actually very excited about continuing in the series. Like like I said at the beginning, I, I really like the series a lot. I like how it intersects with the Bridgertons. And um, if you're reading for that, then the theatrical parts are, are pretty enjoyable as well. And the the family dynamics are just really good. 
in all of her books. She just does, that's really just something she does a really good job with. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't think I'll be rereading this one, but it hasn't made me want to avoid Julia Quinn in the future. Well, good. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will talk to you next time.